Texas Business Minds, a presentation of the Texas Business Journals, brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas. In this episode, San Antonio Business Journal Editor-in-Chief Ed Arnold welcomes C. Leroy Cavazos Reina back to the Alamo City to learn more about his new venture, Localism. So we are joined today by C. Leroy Cavazos Reina, who is the founder of Localism, a new organization we're going to talk about in just a little bit. But before we jump into that, I thought we'd give an opportunity to chat uh, with Leroy about his background. He is certainly no stranger to South Texas and to San Antonio in particular, but he has made a detour to D.C. for a few years. So we're so happy to have you back in the community, Leroy, and it's really good to see you again. Ed, thank you so much. I couldn't be more excited to be coming back to San Antonio to start this entrepreneurial venture after fighting for 5 million Hispanic businesses in the United States in Washington, D.C., as you know, throughout the unprecedented COVID-19 global pandemic. So super excited and thank you for taking the time today. Not at all. Not at all. So so for our, our listeners outside of San Antonio, for those that don't know you, let's give a little bit of background. You're originally a South Texas kid. I originally grew up on the banks of the U.S.-Mexico border in the border city of Mission, Texas, the home of Tom Landry, the home of Lloyd Benson, the home of Congressman Kika de la Garza, and yours truly, right? Um, and But I always say that, that I'm always going to be a South Texas boy, but San Antonio really is the one that gave me my professional rise, and you have to give credit to where credit is due, so that's why I'm super excited to be coming back. Oh, for sure. And San Antonio certainly embraced you. So you, you know, we first met several years ago when we were neighbors and our offices were the uh, local Hispanic Chamber, San Antonio Hispanic Chamber of Commerce was above the Business Journal office. And so we always had a, a good time intermingling our staffs over the years. So again, it's so good to have a friendly face back. But of course, when you went to D.C., you went with Ramiro when, when he took uh, his spot there at the National Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Can you tell us what that transition was like for you to sort of jump from San Antonio to D.C.? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, the United States Hispanic Chamber of Commerce is an American institution that, you know, obviously merits the grace and the leadership that Ramiro has brought to it. I got there about a year after Ramiro got there and it was a rebuild. It was a complete rebuild. Ramiro's leadership transition from his predecessor was not an easy one, but we have rebuilt this organization to be powerful, to be strong, to be intentional, and to really bring the right players to the table to do three things, Ed, to increase capacity for Latino-owned businesses, five million strong in the United States, to look for contracting opportunities to add Hispanic businesses to supply chains in America and to provide capacity building to those businesses so that they are ready with capital and all the arsenal that they need to be players in, in those fields. And as you know, recently the federal government has dished out billions of dollars to the states through federal infrastructure money, through the state small business credit initiative, and so 
many other big legislation. I mean, Texas alone, Texas was the second recipient of infrastructure dollars from the federal government. Texas received $8.3 billion in infrastructure money, the second to California who received $10 billion. So we have to make sure that minority businesses, not just Hispanics, all minorities are at the table taking advantage of contracting opportunities as part of these federal funds. No question. In fact, it's a, it's a subject that I've been talking about over the last several weeks, several times. In fact, uh, Henry Cisneros and I uh, talked about that just a week ago for a program that he's going to run on KLRN in a few weeks, which was I said to him, and I know you agree with this, but that minority owned and women owned businesses in San Antonio, they are the San Antonio business community. So they the business community cannot thrive without their own growth. Those two things go hand in hand. They can't be separated. And I think that that mentality that community needs fostering, but is simply about core improvement of your overall business community is something that the that San Antonio itself has adopted very well. But I'm curious what the viewpoint is on a national level, since you got to see both. You know, what were the differences between what you were facing at that national level and what you all were working on for the local Hispanic chamber? What were the sort of the differences factors? Obviously scale, but what other sort of things? Well, not only scale, but also the ability of people to access capital. And obviously we know that we have major labor issues in our country right now. So that's another daunting task right now in San Antonio from the research that I've done. And this is why I decided to find localism in San Antonio. There are only right now three vetted construction companies in the city of San Antonio who have the ability to bid on infrastructure projects as primes. And we have to change that, Ed. We have to be more intentional. We have to uh, help people build capacity in their businesses. The days of minority businesses in America being subcontractors to primes, those days need to be over. We are the economic driver of our country. If we were our own country, if Latinos were their own country, we would represent the fifth largest economy in the world, according to World News. And there's a lot to be said about that. So why is our consumer power so vibrant and essential to the economic vitality of America? And why isn't our business power at that same level? And I think that that's what this puzzle is about, about figuring out what pieces are missing in the business makeup of the Hispanic business community to put those pieces together in a way that businesses will have their fair share at the contracting pie and to have a seat at the decision tables of America. That is such an excellent point uh, about the the scaling issues for minority businesses, that access to capital, access to growth capital that allows some contractor to go from a subcontractor to a prime contractor. That is such a critical element of growing businesses in general, no matter who is at the head of them. But that is so critical and it's been so much more difficult for minority owned businesses to access that capital and access those scaling tools. We saw it in the way of PPP, I'm sure that you saw it, which was in many, many cases, the people who knew their banker and had access first 
got served first. And that left so many more minority-owned businesses out in the cold uh, when the early days of PPP happened that it created much too large a gulf for those businesses. How do you think on a practical way and how do you want localism to help with those sort of scaling issues? How do we help you know grow more subcontractors into prime contractors? Well, you know, if you look at the list of core services on our website, and I invite everybody to visit our website, it launched this week, it's localisminc.com. But some of the major barriers, one is for sure business certification, making sure that businesses have the certifications that they need to play in these contracting sandboxes, right? So that's one thing that I'm going to concentrate heavily on is making sure that people are certified. I've been getting my certifications and me that I live and breathe this space every day. Even for me, it's been a challenge. Localism will be a proudly Hispanic, LGBTQ plus and disabled owned firm as, as I participate and I'm a big advocate in all of those communities. But even for me, it's been a challenge that I live and breathe this. I think people also miss the mark in RFP and business development. A lot of people don't know how to register with the federal government. A lot of people don't know. There's this huge misconception. Everybody blames the Biden administration for having all of this infrastructure money. But what people need to understand is that the Biden administration has dished out 93% of that federal funding to states and local governments. So the people that that's why at the end of the day, like I like my company slogan, at the end of the day, everything is local where we, the people we need to be holding accountable for this money is people in Texas right? And people in all other 50 states, because they're the ones that have the power of the pen and the power of the purse. I think the other thing too, is that a lot of people don't do strategic planning and don't do lobbying, right? And those are all services that localism brings to the table, uh, not just through my experience, but also through the experience of some of our most trusted partners. So we're super excited. I'm a partner and a senior advisor, right? Right now it's public private strategies. I partnered with them. They are like my anchor client and have really pushed me into this entrepreneurial space. And we just launched a platform at public private strategies along with the National Urban League and the National Minority Business Development Council called Build Up Local. And Build Up Local will be able to give businesses anything and everything that they need to know about infrastructure funding in, in America, in all states states and also provide the technical assistance needed to really uh, engage right into this process. See Leroy Cavazos Reyna joining us. In our next segment, he addresses the needs of the disabled business community when Texas Business Minds continues. Texas Mutual Insurance Company cares about your injured employees as much as you do. With our proactive and compassionate workers' comp claims handling, taking care of your people is how we take care of your business. Business is better with Texas Mutual. I think I may hurt my neck from nodding along with you today, Leroy. We are in such on the same page on all of these subjects. I'd like to bring it back to something I had not originally uh, thought about talking about, but I think you would be a wonderful person to bring into, which is we've been talking about Hispanic and minority-owned business, but I do think the disabled community is an important community that often is the last 
to be addressed in issues of scalability and issues of growth of business and issues of accountability for you know uh, contracting issues. How do you help communicate the need to focus more on that community to business owners that may be rushing past that and thinking about other things? Well, I think that people really need to diversify their contracting portfolios, right? And that includes disabled businesses. It includes veteran disabled. It includes LGBTQ plus firms and women-owned firms. Right. And, and I think that for a long time, people have had this notion that diversity in contracting should only exist on the diversity of skill set and not on the diversity of the firm. And I think that that needs to change. That's a social paradigm shift that needs to occur in the contracting space in general. And there are a lot of disabled owned firms out there that have the ability to execute on this work and they need to be given their fair shot. You know, and that's why I'm, I'm working with Disability In right now, which is a national organization that really brings to the table contracting opportunities for all disabled owned businesses. And then that's also who localism will be getting their disabled certification through as well. So there are groups out there that are, you know, in, in San Antonio, Ed, I used to sit on the board of the directors for the San Antonio Lighthouse for the Blind and Visually Impaired. And we used to focus on procurement and contracting only for businesses that were owned by people who were blind or visually impaired. So there are organizations out there that deliberately do this business. We just got to scale that outreach more. Absolutely. And again, that's one of those things that I think is so critically underserved is it speaks to a sort of blind spot to some degree that business owners have and, and contracting companies have when they're considering these issues. But you're right. Diversity should not just end with, you know, variations in skill levels and variations in sizes. We have to have as many different viewpoints and as many different peoples involved in these projects in order to properly grow our overall economy, because truly, that is part of the message that I have been trying to deliver over and over again, which is these businesses are not separatable from the broader business community. They are simply a part of it that is not growing at the level that it should. And that exactly. they need more allocation. They are already a part of the business community. They just need the same level of lift that this portion of the business community already has. Right. Right. Not thinking about these as separate entities, I think, is the key part for me. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> they need fosterization, but they are simply a broader part of our diverse business community, which we got to embrace. And right. the more we embrace it, the more successful we will be. Absolutely. I absolutely agree with that. And we have to be deliberate about it. We have to make the systemic changes that are needed in public policy to create more pathways to entry. If a small business owner is hoping to break through, maybe get, maybe they've been a subcontractor for some county and city contracts over the years, but have not really broken out, have not been able to take some of those larger programs on those larger contracts, larger allocations, what sort of advice would they be able to get from localism? What would be your first step in helping someone like that at scale? First of all is, are you certified? And second of all, 
What kind of strategic vision do you have for your firm over the next 10 years? Right now, the iron is hot. So you got to strike while the iron is hot. We're never in our generation. We're never going to see this amount of procurement spending and contract spending in the next few decades. What this administration did with infrastructure is monumental and is historic and is unprecedented, and we have to take advantage of it. So when you have a firm who has, like you illustrated, who has done some, who has kind of dipped their toes in the water, but now you want to put the yacht out on the ocean, you have to really be prepared. It's like I tell people, you can't just say, I'm going to invite you to my house. You got to have the living room clean, right? Your books have to be in order. You have to have a strategic plan. You have to have a staffing and employment plan. You got to be able to also have your coalition, right, of subcontractors, because you're going to need subcontractors to bid on, on big projects like this. And so localism is going to really provide people the ability to think and create their perfect contracting ecosystem. That is a fantastic answer, Roy. I think that's a wonderful spot for us to wrap it up. I am so happy to see you back in San Antonio. I know the business community is going to be that much healthier by having you with us. And it is such a pleasure to have you back and, and have you on the show today. Thank you so much, Ed, and I'm glad to be back in the 210, and you're going to be seeing a lot of localism uh, here pretty quickly in 2023 as we ramp up our operation. So super excited and glad to continue my relationship with the media community and especially the San Antonio Business Journal. No, this is a pleasure to have you, and again, thank you so much. We can't wait to see what you're going to do next year. Awesome. See Leroy Cavazos Reina joining us. Thank you for downloading Texas Business Minds, presented by the Texas Business Journals and brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas. Texas.